0: Hey, open up your Bibles to Luke 23 and the ninth chapter. Sorry. <laughs> I think of things verses first. Does anybody else? I, I really struggle. Like I'm always thinking of the verse that I'm in and not the chapter for some strange reason. It's like a weird communication breakdown that I have. But anyway, we're in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, um, and this is just um, just kind of just jumping in to a few of my uh, favorite passages that I've always enjoyed, especially in ministry. There's are kind of the, the passages that I kind of hang ministry hats on, you could say, um, and, and tonight, or this morning, I want to talk about Luke chapter 9. Um, let's pray. Dear God in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us with this time together. Um, thank you for um, all that you are and who you are. And thank you for all of your wonderful promises. And I pray that you would even help me to be a, uh, an instrument to help these students um, grow in the knowledge of you. And confidence in your word and in your way I mean, in your will. So that they may be more assured. That they are yours. I pray this all in um, your name, Amen. Let's 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 ask a definition question. Let's ask a definition question this morning. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? A lot of people have a lot of ideas about what it means to be a Christian. A lot of people have a lot of definitions for what it means to be a Christian. Maybe you've heard some of these. Um, uh, it, it's, it's more of like a, hey, I'm just going to make a change in my life sort of definition. I'm turning over a new leaf in my life, right? Some people refer to it as like, you know, becoming a little bit more spiritual, pursuing my spiritual side, perhaps. That's what some people define Christianity as. Some people define uh, Christianity as, as, as all, of these, all of these things, but I, I begin to wonder when I hear all of these definitions if they've ever listened to Jesus define Christianity. That's what we want to do today. We want to define what it means to be a Christian as Jesus defines it. If Christianity is about loving and following Jesus, he should be the one that defines what it means to be a Christian. It's, it's, not, just, it's not just what we want it to be. It should be what Jesus describes it as. And actually, there's a surprise. This message will have a surprise for you. You can see where we're at in, in Luke 9.23. It a, it's a passage about counting the cost. And perhaps you've heard this principle before, right? I need to count the cost. Am I willing to follow Jesus? Am I willing to be uh, a disciple? Am, am I willing to be the kind of Christian that, that he defines as a Christian? Um, But there's a surprise in this message, too. It's not just about counting the cost. It's not just about Jesus saying, Are you sure you really want to? Are you sure you really want to? There's actually a wonderful encouragement and a surprise for us in this passage that I was enjoying all week, and I can't wait to share with you. Uh, It is actually a surprise in the way that um, when you follow Jesus in His way, you actually discover everything you want. Everybody wants to be a Christian for various reasons, right? They want spiritual peace in their life. They want, they want joy. Um, they want security. They want, they want spiritual, uh, spiritual life to be flourishing. And they want assurance. They want a life that's transformed. All of these people want to pursue all these things, but, but the surprise is if you don't follow Jesus in his way, you will not find these things. But if you follow Jesus in the way he tells you to, you will find these things. That's the surprise in our passage. Um, This is, once again, the the cost of being a disciple. But let me just give you a little bit of a a big picture context where we are here in Luke. If you remember from last summer when we did our jet uh, speed reading tour through Luke, and by speed reading, I mean reading a lot. Of the same thing over and over and over again, you remember that I kind of defined um, this part of Luke as kind of the end of this first section on the person of Jesus. Luke four fourteen all the way through nine fifty are all about the person of Jesus. Luke wants to compel us by the exceeding excellence, the perfection of who Jesus is. Jesus Jesus is wonderful. He is perfect. He is the complete package. He is the man you want to be with from A to Z. He's got all of the solutions. He is sufficient for life's worst scenarios in your life. This is who Jesus is, and this is what Luke 4 all the way through 950 are all about. Jesus is the perfect man. And in in Luke 9, really, it's a a training of the disciples, and it's really a transition. It's a bridge chapter, and this is really a bridge passage in a bridge chapter, because remember, in Luke 9, 50, Jesus' ministry takes this massive, critical pivot. It goes from uh, seeing who Jesus is... To seeing where Jesus is going. We start to see the path of Jesus as He as He sets his Himself like flint for Jerusalem. Uh, he sets his face to go to Jerusalem, it says in 951. And and then he's on a mission. And 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 if you're following Jesus, he's saying. This is why I'm going there. This is why I'm going there. I'm going to be rejected and suffer and die. And the third day I'm going to rise again. And and now here, in in Luke 9.23, you see he's already beginning to hint at this journey, this path that he's about to take for the next ten chapters. He's saying, are you ready to follow me? If you're going to be my disciples, this is what it means. You follow me where I am going. And that's where we are in Luke 9.23 all the way through 27. And we're going to title this message, uh, we're going to call it, Discipleship According to Jesus. What does it mean to be a Christian according to Jesus? This is what we're after, this is what we're really interested in. What does Jesus have to say about being his disciples? What does Jesus mean by a disciple? Um, Meg, do you have the slide show up? All right. so next slide. Let's go to our first thing that Jesus has to say. Self-denial is the definition of of discipleship. Self-denial is the definition of discipleship. Look at verse 23. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you see that there? You see, Jesus gives like three terms to describe what it means to be a disciple. And they're all kind of saying the same thing. And, and the, the summation is the first one there, self-denial. You must deny yourself. That's what all of these things are saying. I'm, I'm denying myself, and I am going after Jesus. Discipleship is defined as self-denial. But before we get into that, just, just notice, just a few little glorious things here. Uh, notice who Jesus is speaking to. Jesus is speaking to all. Right? This isn't, this isn't a call to those uh, who are the few, who are the special ones, who are the super spiritual ones. This is the call to anyone who wants to come after Jesus. Anyone who wants to be Jesus' disciple. This is for you. There are not two categories of Christians. This is everyone, all of them. And this is also very encouraging. This means uh, Jesus isn't just for some people, for special people, for super spiritual people. He is for all as well. And he calls all to follow him, right? This is a call to all, and all can follow him. Anyone who wills can come to Jesus. And notice the problem is, is not with maybe your sin, the problem might be with your will. That's what we're going to see. The problem might be with your will to follow Jesus. Your sin is a problem, but your will is what's coming between you and the savior of your sin. Your 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 problem. So, what does it mean to be Jesus' disciple? Well, we we've seen it's a definition, it's a definition of self-denial. Let's just unpack that a little bit. Self-denial, it's a very strong term. Um, You probably can guess what self-denial means. It means you renounce yourself. It means you refuse entrance to yourself. It means you disassociate yourself from yourself. What in the world? It means you disown something. So here it means you disown yourself. It, it It means you say to the thing that you are denying, you do not belong here. You wake up in the morning and you say, Self, you do not belong. You are not in charge here. You do not belong here. You are not the the, the, the one ruling here. I am denying you entrance. And if you want an illustration of what denying means... Just look at the passages, the places, like in, in Matthew 10 or Matthew 25, where Jesus is denying some people entrance into heaven. He's saying, you do not belong here. He's denying them. That's what it is. And, and this is what Jesus' disciples need to do to themselves. Why, why is denying self so important? Why is this definitional, you could say? Well, well number one, first answer... When you attach yourself to Jesus, when you are following Jesus, you are following him as Lord. That's, that's, why, that's why self-denial is so significant. You are saying, when you are a Christian, you are Lord, and I am not. I, I am denying myself, and I am following Jesus. You are refusing your will and your natural desires. You are renouncing your throne, your control. You're disassociating yourself with any other identity than being Jesus' follower, being a, a disciple of Christ. But also, it means, it means something else, and this is why it's so significant. This is a huge word for every Christian, deny yourself. To be Christ's disciple also means you must deny any basis of works for why you are there. You, you must deny any way in which you are working your way to earn favor with God. That's what you also deny, right? So, so just say it again, right? You deny your your lordship in your life, and you also deny your works as, as giving you entrance into heaven. That's also what you must deny as well. This is describing true and saving faith. That's what this word deny is. You come to Jesus in faith, not in in your goodness, in your works, in in your righteousness, but in in his works, and his words, and his promises. You deny yourself, and you trust in him. A true disciple doesn't say, wow, God must be so pleased with me. Look at all the good things I have brought to him. He must really be happy to have me on his team. The true disciple says, man, I... I I come spiritually impoverished. I I am a poor person spiritually. And, And I need all the riches of Christ's righteousness to belong here. I don't belong here based on what I do. I deny my works. I trust in His. You must deny both your will and your works if you want to come after Jesus. MacArthur would say, this is what makes the narrow way so narrow. You've got to follow Jesus like that. You've got to say, you are Lord. And you've got to say, I don't belong here. I don't get the glory from being here. I don't get the glory from anything that I do. Every Everything goes back to you. You are the Lord and you are the Master. You follow Jesus. You rely on His way and His works. That is what it means. You deny yourself. But notice also, denying yourself is not easy, it's not natural. Another thing Jesus says, one of these terms for for denial there is also uh, counter-natural, you could say. You have to take up your cross daily and follow Him. You have to be someone in in those days who would be a a man doomed to die. You'd have to be someone who was publicly and visibly under the thumb of death. Uh, Unbelievers should look at your life and say, Wow. Why would he do that? Say, wow, I would never do I would never follow Jesus like that. You follow Jesus, you say, I am ready to die in order to follow Jesus. Once again, it's another term for self-denial, right? It's not me, it's not my will, it's Jesus' will. And if I have to die to follow Jesus, that is what I am willing to do. Luke actually is unique here in how he describes the statement from Jesus. He is the only uh, uh, gospel writer who includes the word daily. Take up your cross daily. This is particularly why I love this verse. It, it, it applies both to the dramatic the dramatic test of faith and, and the, the daily test of faith all in one. Now, just to clarify, and, and I know we've clarified this before, but just to clarify again, take up your cross daily does not mean Every little hardship in your life should be considered your own little personal cross that day uh, you shouldn 't think of your homework as your cross you shouldn 't think of your mother as your cross. you should never think of your mother as your cross. You should never think of any hardship in your life really as oh, this is my cross to bear what is what is Jesus saying here it, it, this is what he 's doing. It really is a greater to lesser application here i 'll try to explain it really quick. You need to have a will so denied daily that you are willing to suffer the worst thing to follow Jesus daily. Daily you are willing to suffer the greatest cost for following Jesus. And, and, and when you're willing to do that, even small things become easier. Because they're put in perspective. Hey, if, if I'm willing to follow Jesus to this end, I I should be willing to also obey Him in this small little way, right? That's what it means to take up your cross. It it doesn't necessarily mean everything in my life is a cross. It's saying, hey, because I'm willing to follow Jesus to to this end. To this possible consequence, these little things. How much more should I follow Jesus? How much more should I have joy in following Jesus? How much more should I I have joy in identifying, not with my will in the little ways, but with his will in the little ways? Because what does it mean to be a disciple? It means I'm denying myself. I'm denying my will. I'm denying my works as well. That's the definition of discipleship. That's discipleship according to Jesus. But Jesus says some more things about discipleship. And you'll notice verse 24 and verse 25 and even verse 26, they all begin with the same word. It's a short little word, three-letter word, four. For. 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 What's, what's he saying here? The, the main statement of what it means to be a disciple is verse 23. And then in 24, 25, and 26... Jesus is going to pack motivation, incentives onto why you should follow Jesus this way. Perhaps when I was running through verse 23 there, you're like, wow, that's pretty intense. Denying yourself, denying your will, denying your, your basis of pride before God, your works before God, that's, that's, that's really intense. Why should I? Why should I want to do that? Well, notice Jesus now, verse 24, 25, 26, gives you incentives for following, for denying yourself. This, this is the, the true joy that you should feast in. If, if you're struggling with, with denying yourself in those little ways, listen to this message. Listen to verse 24, 25, 26. Why should I deny myself today? Why should I deny myself in the big ways and the small ways? There's a quote that I will paraphrase from one of my favorite commentators, Dale Rolf Davis. He says this, Jesus doesn't give severe demands alone. He also supports them with solid encouragements. So Jesus does give some severe demands, right? Deny yourself. But he also supports them with solid encouragements. This is why you should. That's what we want to get in today. And here's where we begin the surprise, really. Um, the second thing, jesus says about discipleship discipleship is necessary for salvation discipleship is necessary for salvation you know perhaps we err at times when we present the gospel we, we may err in one of two ways uh, first off uh, you may err in presenting the gospel and not really warning enough about counting the cost right you explain the good news of the Gospel, and everybody wants to be a Christian. But you know what we should include in our Gospel message? Verse 23. This is what it means to follow uh, Jesus. It means you are denying yourself. It means you are denying your own righteousness. Are you sure you want to follow Him? We maybe make that error too much in presenting the Gospel. But there's, there's also another error, perhaps, that we make in presenting the Gospel. We don't warn enough of the danger of being apathetic about Jesus. We don't warn enough of the danger of saying, hey, just you can go home and think about it for a night. No, we should also warn of, hey, you shouldn't mess around with this message. You shouldn't mess around with this Jesus. You want to be careful, but you want to be careful. Isn't that interesting? Jesus is essentially saying in verse 23, count the cost. And here we'll see in verses 24 and 25, Jesus is also saying, count the cost also if you don't. This is, what it, this is what it means for you if you don't follow me. You better follow me. Verse 24, let's read it. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Notice, it's not just make sure you're really into this whole commitment thing. It's also, do you dare not follow Jesus? If you don't follow Jesus, look at what happens. You lose life. That word means your life is destroyed it's ruined, it's damaged irreparably. if you don't follow Jesus, your life is over. John 3:36, "The wrath of God remains on you. you he also says here, if, if you don't follow Jesus, you're actually missing. you're missing the thing that you most were after. If you don't follow me this way, you're missing the very thing you most want. You forfeit yourself. This, this, uh, this is a statement of the unspeakable, undescribable value of Jesus. If you don't get Jesus, you don't have anything. That's what he is saying. And, and notice, this, it's, it's an incredible implication there, verse 25. Did you see that? It's, it's kind of hidden in there, and perhaps you read over it too fast. It's saying something amazing. You can gain the whole world and forfeit yourself, and it wouldn't be worth it. What's the implication there, right? The implication is there is nothing that you could gain in this whole world that would compare to the value of your soul. That would compare to the value of, of knowing Jesus and having His righteousness credited to your account. You could have everything. That is beyond our imagination to even comprehend, isn't it? Can you imagine having everything? Enjoying everything that this world has to offer all at once. Can you, can you imagine what that would be like? No. You could have everything in the world, everything you want, but if you miss out on Jesus, it doesn't profit you anything. It's not worth the cost. It's not worth your soul. The greatest treasure is not more valuable than Jesus. Wow. And on the flip side, think about it this way. You could, you could suffer the, the worst this life has to offer. You could have a painful, searing, lifelong illness. You could experience financial disaster. You could experience rejection and humiliation from family and friends. You could experience uh, torture and starvation. And all of this would be a mere pinprick pinprick compared to the devastation and pain of losing your soul Right? you better be careful don't you dare be on the fence about Jesus don't you dare how do you lose your soul how do you lose your soul how do you do what verse 24 is talking about seeking to save your life you lose it well it's simple You deny Jesus, and you follow yourself. You say, I don't need Jesus. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to work towards God my way. I'm going to live for this life now my way. You forfeit your life, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. Jesus is saying, if you don't follow me this way, you don't have salvation. You lose your life. That's what he's saying. You don't have it. If you do not follow me this way, if you do not if you do not even entertain the idea of being a follower of Jesus as denying yourself, it's probably, probably an indication that you don't have salvation at all. It means you trust in your works, and that means you don't have the gospel. It means you are still Lord of your life, and that means you don't believe in the true gospel. One more thought. Do you see what Jesus is claiming here? Do you see what Jesus is claiming? This is just, this is just regular everyday Jesus. Jesus is claiming to be the most significant person ever in the universe. Jesus is saying Jesus is saying, I am to be treasured above all. What is Jesus saying about himself? He is claiming to be God. Only a God should speak that way. Only a God can make such demands like that. you could, you could gain all this world, but if you miss me, you miss everything. Because I am, I am more valuable than anything in this life. But Jesus has another incentive for us. This is our, our third thing Jesus has to say about discipleship. Discipleship is the demonstration of true faith. Discipleship is the true demonstration of faith. And we kind of got into this already, but see, what, see how Jesus unpacks this. Verse 26, self-denial is... Is what you could say the telltale fruit that you truly are following Jesus. It is the very evidence Jesus points to that your faith is real, that your faith is genuine. If, if, you're, if you want to ask Jesus, how do I know my salvation is true? Jesus is going to look back at you and say, are you denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following me? This is the, the demonstrating fruit that your faith in Him is real. Now be, now be careful, it's it's not a work, it's a following Jesus, and it's a trusting in Jesus alone. Look at the horror in verse 26 of a life, a soul, without this demonstration of faith. If you, if you do not have any evidence of faith, look at your end. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words... Of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Ashamed. That may seem like a, a dramatic thing. It may seem like something you only do in a dramatic situation, right? And you're ashamed of Jesus. But well, what is that doing? That's just another way of saying you refuse to deny yourself. You refuse to follow Jesus. You refuse to associate yourself with Jesus. You reject him, maybe. You distance yourself from him, maybe. You cast him far from him. You don't associate with him. That's what it means to be ashamed of Jesus. It's verse 23 upside down. You deny Jesus and you follow yourself. That's what it means to be ashamed of Jesus. And Jesus says this, being ashamed of me, not following me, according to verse 23, is the very proof of unbelief in your life. It's the very proof that you do not have the gospel. Why? Because the gospel tells you that you are lost in sin and headed for judgment that is eternal, and Christ in his great mercy took your sin on himself so that you could be freed from sin to serve God and experience the true joy of life as God intended it to and and the very evidence that you do not believe that gospel is a life that just goes on like normal right a life that's ashamed of this Jesus who has done so much for you it's the very evidence it's the very proof of unbelief and this is a horrifying thought, right? Jesus will be ashamed of me. Matthew sixteen twenty seven 27 uh, records a little bit more on this statement that Jesus gives here. He says this, right after this statement, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. That's a, that's a scary thought. To have no demonstration of true, genuine faith. To have no gospel. To have no salvation and stand before Jesus. And that probably packs a lot of fear and anxiety into your life. How do I know? How do I know that Jesus is not going to be uh, uh, ashamed of me? How, uh, what can I do for assurance then? Because sometimes I don't feel... So great. Sometimes my life doesn't look like self-denial all the time, if you know what I'm saying, right? Now I'm going to not answer that question fully. Because I intend to, in the next coming weeks, kind of just do a, a short series on what assurance looks like in in the life of a believer. And I particularly want to think about what assurance can look like in your life when you don't have much life in you yet, right? So that's what we're going to talk about. We're just going to jump around and look at what assurance is. And I'm really excited about that. So I want to intentionally not try to answer that question. How how do I have assurance with with such a sobering reality of Jesus being ashamed of those who are fake and phony? But I will give you a short answer. I'll try to at least. Real quick. Here, a short answer for what assurance is. And what assurance can look like even in your life. If you want fruit that demonstrates faith. If you want assurance of salvation... You must simply content yourself in beginning in verse 23. Verse 23. You must, right now, say, I'm denying myself, I'm taking up my cross, and I'm following Jesus. Right? You totally trust in His work. You totally trust in His words. Assurance is actually very simple for a young believer. Are you doing this? Are you denying yourself? In big ways, small ways, are you following Jesus? Are you trusting in His work on the cross for you, or are you just trusting in the fact that you've always been here? You like coming to church. Your family is coming to church, or is it, or is it a personal thing? That's that's what assurance is. It might be small in your life, but you can have assurance even today by clinging to verse twenty-three. Today, I'm denying myself and I'm following Jesus. But that's that's. That's something we're going to cover a little bit more in the next couple coming weeks. This leads us to our, 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 our fourth and final incentive uh, for the self-denying discipleship that Jesus defines. Um, Jesus gives the definition of discipleship. Um, and actually, this is the way all Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all, they all have this statement in here from Jesus. And, and it's all very similar comes in the same time in Jesus' ministry, right before the transfiguration, um, right before Jesus is going to head to Jerusalem. This is a very, very famous passage that all the Gospels record except for John. And, and we could say it this way as we work up to our final point, point here. If verse 23 is a demand from Jesus, and if verse 24 and 25 is an encouragement, you better, you better do this from Jesus, and if verse 26 is a sober warning, Verse 27 is a blessed assurance, a blessed assurance in our life, a blessed assurance. And this is really the surprise for me, the delight, the joy of this passage. Our our fourth thing that Jesus says about discipleship, discipleship is the path to genuine assurance. Now, I've defined what discipleship is. That very definition, doing it that way, is the path to genuine true, genuine assurance that you can feel. That is, it might be a small assurance in the beginning, but it will grow. And you will grow in your assurance of salvation as you define discipleship as Jesus defines it. Notice what he says in verse 27. This is, there's a, there's a There's an application here, even though it directly applies to these disciples, I think it applies to us as well. In, in maybe a broader step-back way. Verse 27, Jesus says, But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Once again, Jesus now is ending this count-the-cost message with a tremendous encouragement, a blessed assurance And I'll say it to you simply, and then I'll try to kind of break it down. Simply, this is what he's saying. The self-denial, denying follower of Jesus will lead that... No, sorry, let me, let me start again. Sorry, I misread my pronouns. Um, self-denial following of Jesus will lead you to glorious glimpses of him that will strengthen your faith in him and his words and, as a result, strengthen your assurance of your own salvation. That's impossible to write down. So I'll say it again self-denial following of Jesus will lead you to glorious glimpses of him in this life that will strengthen your faith in him and his word and as a result strengthen your assurance of your own salvation when you deny yourself when you follow Jesus like that that will lead you to a life where you see glorious glimpses of who Jesus is And that will strengthen your faith and your assurance in what He has said and what He has done. And as a result, that will strengthen your own assurance of your own salvation. It's actually not a very subjective experience. Assurance of salvation comes from security in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And this life of self-denying discipleship leads you on a path where you see Jesus like never before. You have to trust in Him and follow Him, and you experience His faithfulness like never before. That's where assurance actually comes from. It's not just something in in your feelings. It's something in your faith about who Christ is. Well, real quick, what is Jesus talking about here in verse 27? Some of you will not taste death until you see the kingdom of God coming. Um, Two things we've got to clear up. What is he talking about? And what in the world does this mean for assurance? So, first off, what is he talking about? I'm convinced Jesus here is predicting something that comes immediately after this. In in all three Gospels, they all record this very promise at the end of this cost, uh, count the cost to discipleship kind of message. And they all follow immediately with this, this transfiguration you see there in verse 28, right? And, and, And for those of you that aren't familiar with what the transfiguration is, Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, John, and James. He takes them up to a high mountain and he is transfigured, it says, before them. Verse 29, his, his appearance is altered. His clothes are dazzling white. Two men, Elijah and Moses, are Speaking to him, it is incredible, and Peter has no idea what's going on. This is this is what I'm convinced he is predicting in verse 27. Notice, there's there's just some things here that that hint this to us. He says, "Some of you are standing here, won't taste death until you see the kingdom of God coming." First off, some. Some people want to say Jesus is predicting like the church age. Uh, Jesus is predicting the, the destruction of the temple here. Some people want to say that Jesus was confused. <laughs> I can throw that one out. Um, some, people, some, some people really like to say this is referring to the resurrection and the church age. But that doesn't totally make sense with that word, some, right? Jesus is, is talking to the disciples and saying, Not all of you, but some of you are going to see the kingdom of God coming. And that word see could mean fully experience, but it it can't mean fully experience the kingdom of God coming, because the kingdom of God hasn't even come yet. Right? And the fact that all three Gospels immediately link immediately link the transfiguration to this event is also curious to me. Notice even verse 28, about eight days after this, all three Gospels are, are really clear on attaching these two accounts together. That really shows me that this is what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about the fullness of the kingdom coming. He's talking about a glorious glimpse of the kingdom to come. And the best reason, if you want it, is, by the way, this is Simon Peter's own view of what Jesus was talking about. Uh, 2 Peter 1, uh, Peter says, We saw his glory on the mountain. We we saw it, his majesty, his power. He uses all these words for kingdom. And, And he's essentially saying, We saw a glimpse of these glorious things. And he would say... That this transfiguration was a, a glimpse, a snapshot, a, a, a trailer of good things to come of the kingdom of Jesus. And that's, that's what I think it means here when Jesus says, some of you are standing here, you'll see the kingdom of God coming. I could answer more if I wanted, but I'll leave it at that. But what, what does this mean? What does it mean? Now, now, now notice, let's, let's not just throw ourselves in there and say, Jesus is talking about us. He's, once again, he's talking about these disciples. But notice, these disciples who follow him so closely, they get to see Jesus' glory. All of his disciples saw his glory. But notice, these disciples see a lot of his glory, particularly because he chooses to reveal himself to them. He he, he reveals His glory and His majesty. When you follow Jesus close, you see everything more clearly, because you know Him better. And and their confidence is strengthened. This is is why the transfiguration happened. Jesus had this, this sobering prediction of what it means to follow Him, but He wants to encourage them now and give them assurance for who He is. To strengthen their assurance of Him and of His word right this this vision of jesus strengthens their faith that's why it happens and i think in kind of a separated way this also happens in our life right when you follow jesus your faith is strengthened because once again as you obey him and put aside yourself and follow his will and his word in your life you see his word proved faithfully wow life goes better when i'm obeying christ and you have assurance of your salvation in that. And once again, it's not this subjective, well, I, I really feel safe now. No, it's this objective, I trust His Word. And I trust everything He has to say about those who follow Him. That is where assurance comes from. Let me just poke over really quick to Second Peter. Second Peter is, is a great passage... A great, um, a great letter, and it's the, 2 Peter 1 is a, a massive encouragement to your assurance if you're looking for one. 2 Peter 1, uh, Peter says this, we're not going to read the part about the transfiguration, but we're going to read the part about assurance. Chapter 1, verse 3, it, Peter says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is something we talked at summer camp about, right? You already have everything you need for effectiveness in this life through the knowledge of him he goes on who calls us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Then look at verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. What's going on there? You're denying yourself and you're following Jesus. You're relying on his grace and his power to be sufficient and you are denying yourself and putting these things on and then look at the result if these qualities are yours and increasing they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ whoever lacks these qualities is so near sighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins therefore brothers be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election for if you practice these qualities you will never fail. That's assurance, right? And it comes It comes from defining things the way Jesus defines things. From saying, I am denying myself. I am willing to take up my cross and even follow him to the death because he is more valuable than anything else. And I will follow him and obey him. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for this passage and I pray that you'd help us to think clearly about what it means to follow you. And I pray that you'd help these things to be rooted in our minds and, and applied even to our hearts so that we would be greatly encouraged to follow you better. I pray all this in your name. Amen.